by Audible. Log Audible Talk Radio. Dungeon Crawlers Radio to start your free trial membership. Here we go. Broadcasting live from Epic Bubbles and Games. Surrounded by games, dice, cards, miniatures, puzzles, and more. Don't make me destroy you. And pandemonium reigns supreme. Is it better to be feared or respected? I say, is it too much to ask for both? Your host, Revan, the wizard, is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means A guy named Joe. Oh, yeah. The great and mighty Lord Magoo. <coughs> As a result, you may have heard we're going to phase out human testing. And... Firebird. Hey, she got a set of fangs on her or what? Discuss everything you need to know about the world of peace. Come up to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. So grab your staff. Throw on your cape. Light up your utility belt. And roll your 20-sided Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Radio. This is Revan. This is the great man, powerful Lord Plagu, and we are joined with the infamous David Butler. Hello. Hello, David. Yes. Well, thanks for being on the show here at Conway. Oh, uh, hey, my pleasure. Appreciate it. So, uh, kind of give us a background of and conceptual ideas for your books. Uh, I'm a novelist. I write a lot of books. Uh, what I've got out now is uh, self-published, and I write awesome stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. If you don't read awesome stuff, go somewhere else. I have not yet written a coming-of-age tale, or a tale about a talking animal, uh, or anything that really touches the heartstrings. So, so no, no, no sparkling vampires. No, no sparkling vampires. That's absolutely right. So, so I'm not going to cry by reading your stuff. Uh, with laughter or with physical pain, you might. Okay. You, you won't. But, but there's no, there's no tenderness. There's no tenderness. Okay, good. No, there's, there's tenderness. But, but I, won't, I won't tell you where it's surprising. Okay. It'll be awesome. Yeah. So uh, there are two things that people can read right now. There's, I have an ongoing serial called Rock Band Fight Fever, which is every bit as freaking awesome as that. That's just <laughs> it freaking yeah. It does. Yeah, it's a rock band of damned men who trigger the apocalypse uh, out of their, their struggle to, to recover their own soul. Okay. And uh, it's, a, it's a serial, it's in novella form, published in ebook of seven and I collect them a lot in paperback that you can buy here at Conduit if you're listening now, uh, or uh, on Amazon. So, uh, and also I've written a steampunk novel. Uh, I own the field of Mormon steampunk that happens in a book called City of the Saints. And it's set in the year 1859. And Sam Clemens, agent of the U.S. Army, rides west in the city of steampunk to Jim Smiley to try and recruit the Mormons. Right? So they uniquely have air power, airships, thanks to the man who has horse and flat. Okay. Out of their side in the Lunar Civil War. Struggles against Edgar Allan Poe, the secret agent who knows uh, martial arts, Boris, who travels in disguise and uses uh, Horace Hunley's devised uh, 
lethal devices like this uh, hypnotic type of stuff that flesh and scare people to death in serious dire ultrasonic whistle control testing. Okay. You you had some practice training those uh, those contraptions, didn't you? It's uh, just it's awesome. My yeah. language just comes right out. I mean, okay. again, you know, if you're looking for sensor tender stuff, it's not me. But if you think that the idea of a steampunk novel in which Eliza R. Snow is a secret agent, poisoner, counterfeiter, and seductor sounds awesome, yes, all right. I'm your guy. I want to live in this this world where it's, you know Utah is actually awesome. I mean, we got airships. <laughs> yeah, we got airships. Uh, and we got, and we got uh, really cool technology. Oh, we got like, mad but no, no, no. I just got my car. And we got to deal with traffic. No. Yeah. The Kingdom of Deseret. Yes. Absolutely. There'll be a sequel. I'm going to work on it this summer. Nice. No. So, with the rock band uh, yes. versus evil, uh, where did you just come up with this idea? I was. Uh, I will tell you exactly where. Okay. Two hundred west. All right. In the <laughs> and I was sitting there eating breakfast with my brother. At a, it was the life, the universe, and everything about okay. a year and a bit ago. Oh, it was about two years. To that umbrella. And I had this idea. And then, like five minutes later, Larry Korea walked the door. I said, Larry, come over here. I said, I got this idea. You give me this idea, Larry. Rock band fight you. <laughs> and uh, and it took me a few months to get around to starting it, but it's been a lot of fun. It is it's uh, it is action horror fiction in the in the mold of stuff like uh, uh, Hellboy or John Constantine or Indiana Jones or Solomon Kane, uh, and it is over the top uh, action sort of supernatural, not taking it too seriously, itself too seriously uh, adventure fiction. Wow. All right. So it's a fun read. It's really awesome yep. and amazing. And if, you, if our listeners aren't reading it, then they need to. Then they're seriously missing out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Available on Amazon. Amazon. First one is called Hellhound on My Trail. My name is DJ Butler. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. Yes. So it's got Amazon. They really find Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. Exclusive. You know, this is a complicated discussion, but I'm no, exclusive to Amazon for ebooks. If you're looking at the uh, for paperback, because it's available through Ingram and Taylor, uh, Ingram and Baker and Taylor, uh, other online retailers or even bookstores can order it. In that case, you're not looking for Hellhound on my trail. You're looking for Rock Band Fight Evil Volume One, mm. which contains all of the first three novellas. Okay. Okay. Well, this I mean this works out perfectly. They can just go to our web. Yeah, just go to click on the Amazon link and yeah. look you yeah. up. Perfect. Big cut. Yes, we, we do, actually. Yeah. There we go. Wow. Okay. Scratching here? Yes, there is. So there's seven volumes out of this point? There are seven. I think it's going to 12. So to 12. Yeah. So what, what are your, what are your uh, plans for, for future uh, novels or books? Are you going to continue with these two uh, series you have right now, or are you going to try to venture out and do something else? Well, I have other stuff that's written and that I'm working uh, through traditional avenues. Uh, my wife and I have co-written a book with have got There's stuff going out to editors kind of all the time. So in terms of what, frankly, I, I, I like being in that pipeline, and I also like at the same time publishing things directly. I like having projects that I have absolute control over. So in terms of the projects I have absolute control over, I think the next thing I'm going to write is a new uh, fantasy series in the mold of Steve's World. Are you guys familiar with the Steve's yeah. World books from yeah. like late 70s, early 80s? Yeah. So it'll be low, low fantasy uh, in, in a setting that's a little Star Wars-like. Okay. So not, no elves and dwarves, but thousands of different strange-looking races in a very old world, uh, and uh, and 
again, sort of short novellas that I'll collect up. And uh, I, I think the first one's called The Order of Things. But, but you can keep an eye on that. Go to my website, davidjohnbutler.com, because whenever I get that out, it'll be, it'll be announced and available there. And you can go find the title and then come back to DungeonCrawlersRadio.com yes. so they can pick it up. Yes, very nice. Now, because you are self-published, yeah. is that difficult? Uh, well, yes and no. Uh, it's utterly easy to do, but uh, in, in terms of li- literally Amazon or Smashwords or Barnes & Noble lets you take a Word file, and there's a bit of a pain in the butt factor of figuring out how to format stuff. Hey, Larry, Dave. But, I'm oh, sorry. No, we know. Those are Larry and Ben. Uh, um, there's a bit of a, of a learning curve, but small effects will not have been feeling right. Okay. That's not hard. What's hard is, A, writing a book that does not suck. Yeah. Okay, that's hard. That's hard whether you have an editor or not. Right. Um, and, and B, getting people to hear who you are and, uh, and be willing to give you a try. My experience is once they're willing to give you a try, they'll come back and buy more. Yeah. And, and help spread the word. Because uh, I don't suck. Yeah, once they have that, that yeah. taste. Yeah, as long as, that's right. As long as they come with a petition, I'm coming to read awesome books, but I'm not coming to read a coming of age story about a, a young zookeeper who falls in love with a giraffe. Yes. Right? That is, that's the moral. Um, and I think he leaves. Uh, yeah. Well, it depends on what he does about it. Anyway. Okay. Um, it depends on which country you're in. That's probably uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I would say technically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it certainly presents a legal challenge yeah, it does. You know, to our young professionals. So uh, it is hard. It is hard, I think, whether you are. Uh, my experience with uh, friends who have publishing contracts with big companies is, frankly, most of them for the first book, the company doesn't, the publisher doesn't do much for them anyway. Yeah. Uh, they put a book on shelves. That's a big advantage. But for the most part, they're in the same boat that I am. Right? And that's the difficulty that a writer is experience. It is a business how you convince people that your product and your brand are something that I will check out. So if someone's wanting to not go the traditional route through a publisher, yeah. and, or a publisher and they just want to get their book out, yeah. what's the best way to do that? Write a freaking awesome book. Okay. Okay. That is the hard part. You have to write the awesome book. You have to write an awesome book. It has to be it has to be good. Um, and and uh, yeah, so look, um, you can go to uh, Amazon's KDP. It's very easy. And I'd recommend Amazon. And now we're getting into kind of the market discussion, but here's the fact of the matter, okay? Amazon is 70% of the market. Yeah. And Amazon wants you to be exclusive. So you can you can also be on Barnes and Noble and you can be on you know all the other ones, right? The Apple Store, all that stuff. That's the thirty percent of the market. The problem is if you're not exclusive to Amazon, you lose the ability to do a couple of important things. One is Amazon will let you make your book free ever, which is a useful a promotional tool. Oh yeah. And the other thing is Amazon won't let uh, people who are who are Amazon Prime subscribers borrow your book. Now that's it's advantageous to you for them to be able to do that because it's free to the borrower but you still get paid. Oh, right. Yeah, so so I have after various experimentation and others will have experimented and chosen differently. Yeah. My decision was I'm going to go Amazon, right? So for me, kdp.amazon.com, okay, is the website. You go, you create an Amazon, you create your profile, and it walks through how to upload it. And literally, it can do, it takes word right? Uh, in the interior of your book. And there, there's formatting, but it's not a matter of page layout. It is just a matter of making sure that you don't have things like tabs in your document that would throw off with converted some. Okay. Your cover is uh, a PDF. You know, this is important. We don't have a crappy cover. The reason we say don't judge a book by its cover is that we all do. Yes, we do. Right? Go, go pay someone. I 
uh, actually two guys here, Con or Carter Reed, uh, and uh, Nick Shoemate at this point of time, both of great stuff at great prices. Um, and yeah, I love your uh, rock band versus Eagles uh, covers. They look great. They credit Carter Reed. He's done a fantastic job. They're, they're a big television. Um, they're, they're a big part of the lure, getting people to open the book up and realize the awesomeness of that, right? So, uh, that's easy. Hey, it's, it's super easy. And within 24 hours, or 48 hours, the book is up. Uh, there is more work involved in creating a physical book. The Amazon site is createspace.com. There are others. I like, I just like Amazon, frankly. You know, but there's Lightning Source, and I don't know, Hulu, whatever, I have to use them. Create space again. Uh, you can do it all without any upfront cost to you, literally. Um, I spend a little bit of money to make my books accessible through Baker and Taylor and Ingram so that a bookstore, a brick and mortar bookstore, could order my book again at the $25 cost and I buy a proof copy to look at it. So I end up physically cost me the cover plus about 30 bucks to get my book available. Okay. And, and there's, there's more work there because you take a Word document, you literally lay out what the inside of the book is supposed to look like. Um, but, you know, it's trial and error, you spend a few hours. And if you've got a manuscript now, uh, you, you can have a book online available through Amazon um, and to bookstores. And, you know, that's going to get covered in a couple of days of trying to figure out the format. First time, that's that is very easy. So, what made you decide to go into writing? Uh, I have always wanted to be a writer when I was eight. Uh, my dad used to go out to professor, he used to go to conferences and come back and give me a book. And he gave me the Silver Jubilee edition of the Lord of Rings with those Daryl K. Sweet covers on them when I was seven or eight years old and I read them. Uh, and I wanted to be a writer. So I have these journals where I wrote a time that have this embarrassing and you know, you can imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's like, Lord Flagoon did this and that. Yeah. Who would have named their character Lord Flagoon? Oh, yeah, right. Lord Flagoon. <laughs> no, but you know what it is, right? Yeah. It's a childish imitation of Tolkien. Uh, and um, I've wanted to be a writer for a long time. And frankly, I chickened out, right? I went to law school and did other stuff. And I still have a day job, and I love my day job and career, but, um, but I'm very happy to be you know, writing and, uh, and publishing. So, I'm assuming since you went to law school, your day job is here in the church. Not any longer, in oh. fact. I've recently made a change. I practiced law for 13 years. Okay. Uh, I, I won't give any of you up yeah, okay. about that. It's boring. Yeah. I practice law. Big fancy law. So now you, you write books now. Uh, yeah. Yes. I write awesome books. I awesome books. Awesome Excuse books. me. I do write awesome books. Yes. We need to tag everything with awesome. awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. That's correct. That's the right. Also, two fisted and a walloping are other good Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, actually, I'm a corporate trainer. I have a business skill with employees of law in my day job, which is a wonderful thing, uh, and and give me time to write stuff. Cool. Very nice. So, when you, you have a question? No, I'm, I'm good. So you can find any uh, these books on Amazon. Again, on uh, Amazon. website. Yeah. In fact, if you want to go to my website, you can see what they are. Yes. I, I would go to davidjohnbutler.com. That's John with an A. A-B-I-D-J-O-H-N-E-L-E-R.com. And on the front page, you can see stuff I published, including I'm in the anthology Space Eldritch and the upcoming Space Eldritch too. Uh, and then, rather than click through my link, you can go back to Dutch and Call Radio and use theirs. Yes. But if you use his, that's okay. That, I, then I get a cut. Yes. I wouldn't cry. Yes. Well, so, uh, you know, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Sure. And you're taking a picture? Of course. Awesome. Oh. Uh, of course. Every 
everything is going to be awesome with this interview. So check out uh, these books, and we will catch you next. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Welcome once again. Hey there, Internet. We are back. We are. Uh, this is Revan. This is Mighty Powerful Lord Lagoon. Yeah. Sitting with us is Anika Richie. So, author, author extraordinary, author and artist. Author and artist. Yes, she, she writes and illustrates her book. A woman of many hats. Yes, which is difficult. Yes, they are. They're, they're very, very nice. Yes, dapper. Dapper. <laughs> wow, I don't think we've ever used that word. <laughs> I've used it a few times. Okay. Yeah, I, think, I think so. Yes. So not only are you listening to a show, but you're also getting vocabulary. Yes, yes. It is the return of catacomb talk for Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we'll right. no, move on. Back there. Back so there. tell us about your books that you've written and illustrated so far. Uh, the first one is Not a Villain. It's about comics online. Okay. And it's about intense. And it's a science fiction post office world where everyone now connects online to uh-huh. virtual reality. And the main character, Claire, is a semi-reformed hacker on the run. She's trying to pretend that you know, she's a normal person with a slight problem in the sense that she cannot stand anything. Oh. And she can't hack. And then you make her to win, but then it took it found out. He has the huge found out about everyone for again. Okay. So that's been going on for about three years then. Yes. And do you push it push it out weekly or is it monthly? Uh, every Tuesday and Friday. Wow. That, I've been missing updates. That is impressive. Even when my computer is fully crashed, but that's that. There will still be contact. Yes. Actually, but really lame art, but hey, the story was still going. Nice. Very nice. So, do you, I'm guessing you're hand drawing. I'm completely digital. I've oh, nice. I have been had this story in my head for a long time. It's been for like ten years. Amazon as a ebook or physical book, I think, first. 
and it's that neural with nine gods, and the main character, Key, when you really put the gods to turn another parent, they're evil, I'm going to die to save the world. Thank you. 
was a rhinestone and knuckleball and brimstone son of a gun. He had a ten-gallon hat-sized crush with everyone. He was a whip-slinging, trouble-bringing, out-swinging son of a gun. I don't know where he went, but I'm sure he's still on the run. My best friend Tex with a smile on his face turned round to face the man. Stood up from his stool looking swank and cool as ever. Looked down at the stranger and he spat some chew on the floor right between his boots. With a bark knife grin he said, what you looking at shorty? Well, Shorty moved just like a dog. He put sex down like a hog. He punched just like a bear. Tore out some of Texas hair. He started yelling loud. Come on and I'll shut your mouth. You're gonna stand there, bums, he said. I'm gonna have a chance to crack your head. It was a low down a chest down a six round son of a gun. He had a ten gallon hat size crush with everyone. He was a fist fighting all night and claw biting son of a gun. I don't know where he went, but I'm sure he's still on the run. He beat us down like a bunch of sheep. We were lying in a heap. He slowly walked a long way around to the bar and sat all down. Had a shot of whiskey stew. Drank it down with the finest brew. Threw down a piece, tipped his hat and winked, told the barkeep how to do. He was a waylaying, fish shaking, ain't scraping son of a gun. He had a ten gallon hat size crush with everyone. He was a curse spewing, hell brewing, trouble filling son of a gun. I don't know where he went, but I'm sure he's still on the run. I said I don't know where he went, but I'm sure he's still on the run. Yeah. <laughs> 
how long your, your, your previous works and give it a little more twist on it. Because the cover, as you said, was earlier for today, that's a little deceptive. Put the girl on it.
go look at the cool thing that we wanted to look at that we didn't get a chance to because we're doing the interview, or you can go look for some more something else to film that we're going to get pictures of. I don't know what she does recently, they all send these off I can curl up in the corner and take a nap. That's how bad. Yes. Yes. So when I went to one when I was pregnant. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Until they just hang on. 
Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, I'm assuming, and any brick and mortar store. If they don't have it, they can order it. All right. And where can they find you? you I know you have a website. It's AmberArgyle.com, Nice. Oh, wow. Um, we've got uh, the best growl, the best owl, 
But we're not sure if, if the hotel staff will allow us to do so. Yeah. Because it involves drinking grog, and we're not sure if they want to license it. Yeah. Um, that is important. The winners will get uh, the, their faction, so to speak, may get free pizza. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, the other thing that, that will happen is they'll get honorific titles added to their name, which I mean, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to go around being able to proclaim the Yes I Am Thunder Champion, you know, the I think I need to win one of these. We do, so that you can make your name longer. Yeah, yeah, because you probably want uh, Stinky Hands the Pungent. Super Red Mighty Powerful Flagoon, Stinky Hands the Pungent. I think you win the Stunt Talk. Yeah, sure. Well, you'll have the privilege of the run. Yeah, he's the champion
is likely the most important work love story of the 21st century. Yeah. He's all about the female. Yes, he is. Female empowerment, dating the female. Blood honey. Blood honey. That's how you produce them. Blood honey. Mix the blood with some honey. Drip it on them. They love it. Yes. It's kind of really no sense. Oh, wow. That is a good reference. Is the, oh, 
one where at the end, the great self story, you asked me, it was hard. It was kind of hard to make up some of the canon because there was, you know, Shane Moore hadn't made much. There was a sculpture of Petrovic um, that Kendall Hart did, which is amazing. Um, there was a few other little things, but I had to invent a lot. And I didn't want them to be like, oh, these are just, you know, Sioux Indians, or these are just some South American tribe, or whatever. I didn't want that. I wanted to try to make it a little different. And, you know, it, it's... It's a short story, so you can only do so much. Yeah. You can only do so much, but it, it was fun. It was fun. So, because I know you guys got to get going to wrap this up, you know, because people aren't here at the con, where can they get a walking in? Walking in Boots is available on Amazon as uh, an ebook and as a trade paperback. It's like three bucks, three or four bucks, four bucks for the ebook and about ten bucks for the trade paperback. It's a 230 page book. Beautiful full color cover and a back belt color cover, and lots of like six illustrations inside. So it's, it's a deal, and it's a lot of fun. So get the one line. Where's the reading? You want to read it again? It's going to be a lot of laughing, and especially for, with Mungo the end guy and Catherine I laughed like probably eight or ten times when I read the story the first time. It was so much fun.
was it a lot more liberating to go and do the live action role playing? Yeah, it, it was. Um, maybe not in the way you think, though. It, for me, it was liberating because uh, as the storyteller, uh, one of the STs, I was more of a director. It was, it was a directing laboratory, a producing okay. laboratory. Oh. Putting on the event, um, like for the coordinator came and storyteller, we had to produce these events. So that gave me some practice there. And then once the story was underway, I was essentially directing this interactive impromptu play with a bunch of amateur actors, and I had to trick them into doing what I needed them to do for the story without them knowing that they had to be doing that, you know? So it got very complicated, and I think theatrically as a director, it was incredibly valuable. So it's left for me as an actor, that was sort of the second act, and I could do that. Um, you were out of character, but it was really more about the, the, the bigger laboratory. So it's kind of like uh, early inclinations of like the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was really mad when Blair Witch came out and I hadn't actually, you know, had fault to shoot it for Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I could do that. I should have done that. I should have done that. I had a plot line that was just like that. So it's pretty much like a mixture of Blair Witch, uh, Blair Witch and uh, Bob Marley. Uh, sure, we'll go with that. Yeah, well, this, um, it's a lot, actually, you know, it's, it's a lot more intense than that. Yeah. Most people think of live action role playing and they think of uh, things like robots, yeah. what they see in movies and what have you. And what we did was really nothing like that. Okay. Uh, our players are all, and our stories were super sophisticated oh, wow. and super mature. We had intense moments. You know, and I'm not going to spend 10 years hanging around a bunch of people yeah. doing silly childish things yeah. uh, as an actor, but I, I've got better things to do. Yeah. I've got more respect for myself, you know what I mean? Um, I don't want to put down any of the silly stuff in the chat, I'm a professional at what I do. So if I'm going to be doing that in my laboratory, I'm going to be doing it with a group of people that are taking it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't have any sort of Standard, like, oh, you got to be a professional actor. Oh, you need to have been trained. No, it was not about that. Um, and part of, to me, what was actually personally impressive was that these were all amateurs who were so intense with their characters and, and, and in the scope of their characters were real, man. Like, they were spot on. They wow. cared and they invested. And they put more work into this scenario than a lot of real actors that I know. And it kept me interested for 10 years, you know, and learning and growing. It was amazing. So then, I mean, so when you're speaking of the intensity of how scenes go and how seriously they get taken, was there never a problem with your players and your actors having making the distinction between real life and not to any like dangerous degree. Exactly what we're talking about. No, not, nothing like okay. that. There, you know, there was no kind of psychosis going on. You know, I was sort of fourth grade. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 nothing like that. Everybody was, was really mature about it. Comics didn't come by and pretend to be Purdue. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. We put those under the carpet. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, there's. There was, there's, there's, there's sort of the usual policy, social policies that happen. You know, and, and of course, like in any organization, uh, there is going to be some line blurring and there's going to be, you know, 
fiction and writing, and some people would take out of character information, try to use it in characters and stuff like that. Things happen, egos get out of hand. But it's, I mean, not in the sense that, like, oh, it suddenly got dangerous if someone didn't understand the difference between reality yeah. and unreality. It's not that. Okay. We just had, so there you know, like the worst of it was regular douchebags. Right? Oh, okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> just being douchey. Yeah. You know, and everybody sort of knew it and it was, became political. And then we dealt with it. But that's what we also have very strict, strict rules mm-hmm. on, like, between the storyteller chain and the coordinator chain. The coordinator chain uh, deals with all of the real life issues. So, as a charity organization, so we do a lot of really great charity work. Yeah. We're really well known for that kind of stuff. So, they handle all of that, all of the events. Anything that happens out of character, real life stuff, the coordinator okay. Everything that is the fantasy and directly related to story is story coaching. Uh, and the story, so it's like everybody takes a real very, very seriously. You know, it's like running any other legit um, non profit organization. Where I just, very big policy. Yeah. So everybody, it's a full-time job. Yeah. You know, a volunteer job, but it's a job that everybody takes seriously. And you have to, for each position, there are elections. So while there's always social politics, there's also a accountability. So they had to have their stuff together. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what sort of charities then were you, were you giving to them? Oh, I don't give to any. Oh, no, I'm not selfish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had the coordinator do all that. I just ran for it. Yeah, you didn't do that. I did not know, though. That. No, but they would do, they, like, obviously, the, 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 uh, the obvious one, we would do blood drives all the time. Yeah. Like vampires. Yeah. 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 We would do blood drives. Um, we would uh, do, like, toy donations, various, like, children's uh, charities and stuff. Uh, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what was Well, we never had a problem. 
you know, we always knew how to handle it. We always told the brothers of like, what we were doing. We all knew how to explain it. They're like, oh, okay, that's fine. Uh, I think there was slightly less, I don't know, things have kind of gotten out of hand these days in a lot of different senses, but we never had a problem. Nobody ever had a problem with us. I think when you run a new organization and you're doing you know, and we explained it to laymen as, oh, we're an experimental theater. It's really the easiest way to explain it. I mean, that's what we work. You know, and it's, you know, you can say that to people and they go, oh, okay. okay. And then they don't need to hear the rest. You know, unless they're deep. And, yeah. and then they're going, oh, by the way, here's your membership card. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, so you're not active with that today. No, no. No, but it, is it, but it's still, but it's still an active organization. Absolutely. Right there. So and how does someone become involved with uh, I believe now it's called Mind Eye Studio. Or Mind Eye Oh my God, my friend is going to shoot me in the video. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they've changed the name. Okay. Um, uh, and, and I think if you look up Mind's Eye or Mind's Eye Theater, they'll be, I'll just, just Google it and there'll be connections to it. Um, okay. They're connected to White Wolf Studio, which produces a series of books based on the world. Yeah. That's awesome. Still giving. Still giving. So besides this, you know, how is it, you know, actually acting and having that as your day job? Because you obviously love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, because you've been part of Stargate, and not a small part of that. I mean, it was... I'm the point of origin. Yes. (laughs) Who else can say that? Yeah. So, I mean, what is it like, you know, walking down the street and having people, you know, point out or stop you to talk? I mean, is it something that you shun or is it something you love? No, no, I love it. I love it. Um, I mean, the reality is that I'm not a big star. Yeah. Okay, so, like, I don't get flooded on the street all the time. Um, when you're in L.A., everything's pretty blase anyway, you know, unless you're a big star, you know, everybody else is blase, and then it's, it's you know, it's like crashing the barrel. Okay. You know, uh, everything you hear about LA, about L.A. is essentially true. Okay. <laughs> the good and the bad, it's all true. All true. So, you know, my day to day in LA is not star studded and glamorous. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a regular guy out there. Um, so, you know, when it, when there is an opportunity and people do stop me and they recognize me and they want to talk about my work, uh, to me that's a blessing. You know, and every day that an actor keeps working is, is a blessing. So that sounds cliche, but trust me, it's true. And in today's economy, where everybody's out of, out of a job, it's even more true, yeah. you know, like it is a blessing. Um, and so much has to do with perception, value judgment, that, you know, that's more true in an artist than anywhere else. And, you know, as professional actors, we have to also compete with non-professional actors in reality TV yeah. and the Twitterverse, the social yeah. media stars, yeah. YouTube stars, and all the stuff that it's all cross-pollinating. Um, and it's very difficult to navigate for those of us who are actors, you know, because the industry, as an industry, remember, it's, it's a machine, like any other industry, so it doesn't necessarily make a distinction in humanity, okay. you know, between between what is necessarily, you know, a, a deserving artist, an undeserving artist, yeah. it all comes how many fans do you have? How much money do you make? Blah, 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 all that. So the day-to-day is pretty normal. So when I have, you know, fans, I love them. 
and I have to take that in. You have to soak that up and charge your battery where you can. Yeah. Otherwise, like your batteries are constantly being drained, you know, um, all the time. So we charge when we can, as often as we can. Part of why I love coming to conventions, you know, I'll sit there and I, you know, I'm, I'm going over a script or, or I'm playing a game. I'm doing whatever I'm doing at home, and my mom's like, when are you going to get a job? Mom, you know I've had a job for 30 years doing it. I've got a pension. I've got managers. When are you going to get a real job? <laughs> you can't live like yeah. <laughs> you really are like that. You give everyone else in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I get an opportunity to come out to a convention and you got, you know, you're from 300 to 3,000 people going, I love this video of you. You are so awesome. Oh my God, you changed my life. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, you have to soak that in. And yeah. I take that and I take that back with me to LA and, you know, give me the confidence to keep going. Yeah. Remember, I like access. We get, we get the crap kicked out of us all the time. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. who respects actors? Nobody. You respect us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, we, got, we take it where we can, you know? Yeah. And, and I think the key skill is knowing how to store all of that love, how to come back to it, uh, and maintaining that relationship with your with your dad. So, over the years, is there any particular character that you played that you like more than any other character? Oh, my love character. Your <laughs> love character? <laughs> We're all so much cooler than the stuff I get paid for. Did you ever want to, to try to make your love stories into an actual screenplay and actually yeah, make it into a movie or like a TV series? Oh, sure. I think I think everyone that's ever played has that that that. Uh, but it's you know it's like like anything else. That, that takes a big budget to do it to do it right. I have plans to eventually do it. I mean, I'm not going anywhere. You know, my career is a movie. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. So at some point, without a doubt, a lot of the stuff that we played out will find its way into the projects that I do. And as I become a creator and I direct more, and you know, coming to my own as a creator, usually as an actor, you're mostly an employee. And I love that. It's fine. Um, but I think it's premature. We always and especially now, I think the times are such that we have to be our own kids, we have to be our own voices. So we're going to give us permission to do anything that yeah. they can do. So as that happens, all of these things, they've already informed my work, you know, in a lot of ways. But I think it'll start becoming much more obvious. Yeah. The more control I have over the films and things that I, that I come to do, you'll start seeing it. Yeah. Just a couple of little things. Oh, yeah. over it. Absolutely. And that was part of the plan to begin with. Like, I knew back then, you know, and I had people at the time who were part of our community, right? We didn't understand. They're like, why are you paying these kids with these weird people? And I was like, well, these weird people are not as weird as you. They're more accepting. And, uh, you know, and there's all these other wonderful perks to it. And I knew, I was like, these, this time period now is no different from having been in school, you know, and I'm, I'm learning things and I'm creating things with people that I know 10 years from now are going to come back and I'm going to be able to use these experiences and I'm gathering stories. The thing about actors, not just actors, but I think it's particularly prevalent with us, we can't walk around town with a script in our pocket. We're constantly being an actor 24-7. Like our whole, the whole thing is to tell real stories, to try to play real people, you know, to humanize it all and make it relatable. The only way you can do that is by going out and living life, living amongst 
normal people. Because we're not normal. You know? Yeah. By any means, our lifestyle is not otherwise normal. So, but we have to do that. And I've done that all the time. You know, like, I've stepped away from my acting career. And people, are you still acting? Yeah, I'm still acting. Relax. And I'm taking a break. <laughs> Jeez, I've been doing this 30 years. I can take a break now and again. You know? Again, recharging. Coming back to the United States. Figuring out who people are. Who am I? I can't just be a lucky reactor. I gotta know who my neighbors are. What are their dreams? What are their goals? We have kids, we have dogs, we have dogs, we have dogs, we have dogs, we have all that kind of stuff so that you become like real people. Then when I get my next gig and I'm playing a movie, I actually have something to say. Something to, you know, which is why. If, even if I'm not working every day, you'll see my movies and you'll see my TV shows and it leaves an impression that there's something real going on. You know, yeah, that, that, that Alexa could be my neighbor. He right. could be that guy down the street. He could be the guy I had while I was starting to work. Right. So that's exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Well, you've been doing this, uh, this working and uh, the, the directing almost. Has there been anything that you've learned from doing that that you've been able to uh, put into your career? That is my career. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, you know, at some point your, your career is multifaceted, so you can't, you can't take down your career anymore, nor would I want to. You can easily point to my active career, and then that becomes my action. It is not my professionally artistic career. That comes Here's my video. My profession is acting. My career is something larger, multifaceted. You know, my career includes directing, it includes producing, it includes writing, it includes taking vacations where nobody knows me. You know, that's I mean, yeah, that's part of the work because you know I'm doing research too as you unwind and as you decompress. You gotta take care of yourself. You gotta learn new things. So you know, and you'll find most of, a lot of actors will, will say this also. The work is really happening in between jobs. Once we get on set, by the time I get on set, like learning the line, that's not hard. Showing up to set on time, getting up at four in the morning, that's not hard. That's just part of the course. You're happy by the time you get that gig. Now it's just like now let it out. The work was collecting it all, you know, going out to the sea and setting out to your net, fishing all that shit. You know, by the time you throw it out into the market, like that, that's not work, that's just profit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, one last question for me. So, uh, I'm a firm believer in that to be a better gamer, I guess, to be a better geek, you got to start by being a better person. Oh, yeah. And you have got this down, like, you, you understand that. What would you say to anyone who wanted to start picking up a game, any game, today? What, what, what advice would you start? Like, go in having fun. Um, uh, and then, uh, but, but follow your heart because I think that's, that's the key thing with being a geek. Uh, I think, I think geekdom is something that happens after the fact. Yeah. Like, you don't go in to become a geek or gain geek cred. I'm actually getting tired of this whole idea of geek cred. You know? yeah. And I think now, like, the more popularized it becomes, the more geek cred is used as some kind of unfair currency. Yeah. You either have geek cred or you don't have geek cred. Yeah. You know, you're not well known enough to have real geek cred, or you're well, you're too well known. You're a dilettante. You don't know about having 
involved in the stuff, and I'm being an actor, I'm, I'm a media person, but I'm sort of I'm underground too, and I, I've seen all of those arguments. I've walked that fine line. I've had people question my deep friends. I've had people be really impressive. I'm like, just ah. once it becomes popular to that degree, once it becomes mainstream. We have to, the, you know, the, the real love of it, we have to stop labeling it. And I don't, I don't want to go to the other extreme to make it all like Yeah. 
So I think like with anything, um, and it happens in reverse in other ways too. Like I got friends who are literally rocket scientists, you know? And when I find out stuff like that, to them it's not a good job. Yeah. To me, I'm an actor.
I want to contribute. I don't want to just take from the community, and I don't want to walk into like a live action crew, like oh, there's Lex's crew, the star, and have everybody fanboy on me and treat my character better than be able to play. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not fair, but it's it's a it's a hard dynamic to skirt, right? So I try to give back to the community in a sense by using, and I've always done it, since I was a little kid, I've always done it, like, of our geek pariahs that we all were, because I was never part of the cool kids club, like, ever, but I was on TV, so occasionally I was cool enough to get invited to party here and there, you know what I mean, like, because I was on TV, not because I was really cool, but I was, that thing was cool, so I always tried to use my celebrity on behalf of my community, so when I'm talking about live action role playing and gaming or having to other people, I don't have to apologize, this is something where, like, I got a big stick, I'm a swing you know, for for my my deep breath. Yeah, like standing up for those who don't have they don't have but I can do. You know, people are gonna judge them and they're gonna talk crap about them. That's fine. But I know that they won't talk crap about me because in certain circles I can use my celebrity. You know? Use it the way they would try to use it against them. You're like, no, I'm legit and therefore this hobby that I have is also legit. Deal with it. They're not going to argue with me about it. No. no. You know? So that helps everybody, I think. So it, you know, it, it helps me pay my way through. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for your time. Thanks. This has been an amazing interview. Right? We appreciate it. Oh, you know, before we go, if you don't yeah, mind, I'd like to plug my, my project. Yes, you guys do know it. Yes, do it. Um, this, so I started uh, Graphic Novel. Oh, my very first nice. graphic novel is called The Unprofessional Sociopathic Romance. Nice. Right? I love right? that title. <laughs> we started on Kickstarter in 2000, at the end of 2011, and we were uh, placing the top 10 most successful comic books. This is before like, everybody yeah. was doing it. So it's about two kids, Jake and Leo, best friends, and they're murder nerds, and they're growing up in New York, and they have this dream to be awesome in your That's just what they want to train themselves to do. Because they know the job prospects, like, yeah. you know, everybody's, everybody's in a corner, right? And they're like, there's so many douchebags out in the world, like, they need killing, we might as well get paid for it. Right? But are we sociopaths? Are we going to be serial killers? Like, are we going to be, like, professional serial killers? And, and Leo's like, yeah, man, we're ninjas. <laughs> so they go on this whole thing, and so they break into the business by stealing jobs from real business. And then all hell breaks because you know they're they're thinking in their minds like, well, we'll we'll get some notoriety, we'll get one of these guys to like mentor us, but we got to get their attention. And then the real women are like, no, 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 you need to die. <laughs> That's not how it works, you know? Because in Jake and Leo's mind, it's like murder for hire should be like street Yeah. Uh, elegant and elaborate and really epic because the real game is boring and bland and vain, you know. Shoot somebody in the back of the head and now that's it, walk away. Jake and Leo are like, nah, let's make some style here. Yeah. So that was like a movie. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, the reality is not like a movie. Like, it's all fun and games so people get hurt, you know. So they have to start dealing with that, with the consequences of their actions. Uh, the cops are onto them, professionals are onto them, and they're their own friendship has to survive it. Jake's like, what the hell did you get me into, Leo? But at the same time, Jake's 
really the dangerous one. Leo can sort of feed into this well that Jake has been sitting on for so long, you know. So it's been an amazing thing. Uh, my best friend wrote the script, Colin. Uh, I'm the co-creator. I edited it. I produced it. I did the art direction for the whole book and six chapters all together. And we've got a different artist on each chapter. That's the story I'm We wanted it to be sort of visual anthology. And it's very much an everyman story. Now, obviously, our, our example is extreme. They want to be but ultimately, it's about anybody being able to live your dream, yeah. be an unprofessional whatever. Because there's no rules. Nobody's going to give you permission to do stuff. you got to take that and make it stuff and just make it happen. And it's going to be risky. You're going to risk a lot of stuff. People are going to be like, you can't do that. You can't do it that way. They're going to try to stop you. Anything worthwhile is going to be hard. But now the time to believe in this. And I think that it really speaks to this, this whole... I think the whole time period now we have to create our own stuff. Yeah. You know? So we made this book and now we're gonna be released at comic shops everywhere on June twenty sixth. Nice. So walk into your local comic book shop. We're an indie book. We did not get published with a publisher. We've been doing this all ourselves. So like in one, you're gonna love the book because it's fast.